You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. For win. It's good! It's good! It's good! Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. Animals are like, I don't know if that like, like resonates <laughs> with you, but like you always see tigers in like, like on pictures and like on TV, but when you like see a tiger in front of you, it's like, what am I looking at? Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. At some point, somebody's got to take a stand. It's like, hey, man, the Capitol's that way. Chill out. (laughs) No! Stop it! Enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome in to the Blue Collar Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode whatever number this is. I don't really know. Uh, But I'm your host, Blake Byler, joined as always by Matthew Gibson and Jacob Pickle. It's Beast Week. Uh, there's lots of basketball going on this weekend. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. But uh, how are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Excited to talk some Alabama basketball. Absolutely. Doing good. Uh, missing seeing the Tide play. I feel like it's been forever. Yeah, it's been and it's been like four days. Now. Oh, I guess five days now. <laughs> but, yeah. We are a couple days after Alabama's second week of play. Um, Alabama got two wins against South Alabama, one against South Alabama, one against Mercer. South Alabama was a 102 to 46 victory. Mercer was a 98 season low, 98 to 67 uh, victory. So we're going to talk about both those break down, both those games, kind of what we've seen so far from Alabama. We're also going to look forward to the Emerald coast classic, a, uh, multi-team event MTE that Alabama is competing in uh, later this week. We'll talk about that, uh, kind of preview those games, kind of what we expect from Alabama. Um, and, yeah, those are kind of the main points we're going to hit. But just to to jump right in, Alabama early last week beat South Alabama 102-46. to This team finally played some defense after everyone was worried um, and, and kind of scared that we were going to see a 2022 repeat of this team after after the first two games, after struggling a little bit on the defensive end with Indiana State and who they play in the opener. I'm blanking now. Morehead State. Morehead State, that's right. Um, so y'all were both there. Uh, or Jacob, you were there. Matthew, you watched. Uh, uh, what do we think of that South Alabama game and, and particularly the defensive effort? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously I think um, just another great game from Alabama for – like on defense, but Grant Nelson, I think he had three blocks, um, two blocks for Jaron Stevenson. Stevenson's really coming into his own too on the defensive end. And I think that's something Alabama's got to be really pleased with. Um, he's found himself on a couple uh, mock drafts now on three had as a top 10 uh, impact freshman so far in 2023. Um, but again, this was the most complete game that Alabama has been able to have this year uh, held South Alabama to let's see five from 29 from three point land, 14 of 60, from um, the field, it's just an all-around defensive performance. Uh, shut the guards down off the wings. It was just an all-around performance for Alabama, and the best one that they've put up so far this year. 
Yeah, I, it was it was excellent. I mean, it, like a complete smothering of South Alabama. Uh, I that's kind of the game that I expected to see against Mercer Friday. Uh, I, I think South Alabama is awful, though. Like, they're uh, bad. like respectfully, <laughs> they're, they're really, really, really bad. Like, they, I just they used to be an SEC kind of backup roster, and they're just not that anymore. Um, but still, you got to play defense. Like it, the rim doesn't change, even if you aren't good at basketball. Um, and we played good defense last Tuesday. Uh, put up some good numbers offensively. Things were still clicking uh, on both sides of the ball. Easily the best defensive performance yet. Uh, so a lot to be proud of and pleased with. And I uh, it was it was very fun. It was just a good a good night in Coleman. Thought we were gonna sixty piece some, but fifty six will will do just fine. What if I told you that Mercer is 75 spots below South Alabama and Ken Pop? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I believe it. Like, South I, Alabama was bad. My test tells you that Mercer is a much better basketball team than South Alabama. It's just Mercer's not great either. They're not, no, they're not. <laughs> Comparative to Al- South Alabama, which was disgusting. I, offensively, they were a mess. Defensively, couldn't. Stop and usually game. they're pretty Double. decent. Like you, usually they're a yeah. solid team. Yeah, they're, they're a perennial SoCon semis. Maybe sometimes get into the, the tournament finals. Like, it it was bad. odd to see them as as inept as they were. Yeah, I I, I was a little I was a little bit surprised there. Yeah, I mean um, South, South Alabama usually gives Alabama games, and they this, last two last, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the, the the biggest thing for me in that game, and it kind of carried over into the Mercer game, was Nick Pringle. And we talked about it on the last episode of the show that he had been a little disappointing through the first week of the season. I thought he didn't look very – I thought he didn't look very engaged defensively. His minute totals had dropped because of that. I think he only played 12 and 13 minutes respect, respectively against uh, Moorhead and Indiana State. Um, and so then he comes out, and and Oates is very public. I, I I think it was the the pregame press conference last Monday before the South Alabama game, and Oates was like straight up, Pringle's got to be better for us. He, he's got to do better. He's got to protect the rim better. He's got to be more engaged. And then he did exactly that. I mean, he got he played 18 minutes, which was a season high at the time. Uh, 12 points, six of six shooting. He rebounded the ball better. He he tied for the team lead rebounds. He had a block. He, I think he had another block that wasn't correctly attributed to him, um, or that, that should have been attributed to him, but wasn't early in the uh, in the game. And so I thought he looked more engaged. He he drew a charge. He just looked like he had much more energy compared to the first week of the season. And I think that carried over as well into the Mercer game where he put up another strong performance. He looked like a better lob threat. Just kind of all around, he just looked better. He, he he looked like a better basketball player, and that's what Alabama needs from him. They need him to be kind of the energy guy. And I think I think we talked about how like he's not he's obviously not Alabama's best big man. And he he might not even be Alabama's best option at the five, but right now he is who Nate Oates is rolling out as the starting five man. And those kind of performances against South Alabama and Mercer, maybe not to the extent of the point totals that he was putting up because it, it might not be fair to expect him to put up 12, 14 points on perfect shooting a, against SEC teams. But that kind of 
um, energy and, and to some extent that kind of production is what Alabama needs out of Pringle if he's going to remain a starter. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. I think that like you see just what a little bit of effort and commitment can do to change your outlook defensively, keep you on the floor, and keep you engaged enough to then have the presence of mind to be there on offense. Uh, he was, you know, going six for six from from two against South Alabama was big. Uh, anytime we can make sure he gets his points at the rim and not have to get them from the free throw line is good. Uh, and I, I thought he was was very efficient both ways uh, and just getting to his spots. And I think the lack of size from South and Mercer kind of helped play into that. But uh, Mercer did a guy, what was it? It's number nine, Michael Gray. That, well, not no, not him. Um, number nine, gross. Or, oh, I, I clicked on the wrong one. My bad, my those, bad. Hold those, on. New, those new number rules. Um, yeah, real. Uh, Mercer had a guy that was kind of like a little tough to work with. Oh, yeah, Amanze Izume, I think his last name. I'm not pronouncing that right. Uh, but he was, I mean, he's 6'9, 245, like a thick dude, and um, Pringle worked him pretty well. And like, obviously, you'll see bigger height size than that bigs in the SEC, but uh, for Pringle to kind of show that he's not going to back down because he, he's got the size and the physical presence. He just has to feel confident enough to go up and, uh, just show up down low and be able to be strong in that way. And I thought he did that well last week. Um, and hopefully we'll see that continue to translate. I think, you know, like for your shooters, you just got to see a few go in. I think Pringle just needed to see, see a few good performances, realize what he's capable of again, uh, and be able to bring that energy off the bench or presu- well, from starting for now, presumably off the bench come SEC play. Yeah. Whenever you're looking at Alabama's upcoming schedule too, like, Obviously, the SEC has a lot of bigs, but Alabama's schedule coming up in the next month has some like monstrous big man, big men, I should say. Like, uh, shoot, Ohio State has Zed Key, who's already really good, even though he might be a little undersized. But then you look at that tough three-game stretch, and it's Zach Eady for Purdue. It's Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's seven-one for Creighton, and then it's Omar Ballo for Arizona, who's like. He's a seven-footer, isn't he? Yeah, and then they've got Mateus Krivas at 7'2", who gets used about just as much, too. Yeah, and Ballo's seven-foot-260. Like, these are big dudes, and it's going to be – like, I have my own theories, and we'll get to this in, in, in a week or so, about how Alabama's going to uh, get ready for Zach Eady and, and kind of game plans that they can have uh, – we don't have to get into the whole Purdue thing, but like after watching them in Maui, they look good, obviously. But I think, I think Alabama ha- has a, a very well crafted team to be able to exploit some weaknesses that they have, and I think both of y'all probably agree. Yeah, we're 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 gonna beat them. I like I. I, think, <laughs> I wasn't gonna like, say I, all that yet. I I, I I think Zach Eady could have thirty and twenty, and we could win by ten. Like I I just I think so little of everyone else on their team besides yeah. like Fletcher Lawyer in spells. But Lawyer, we're we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that. So yeah, we'll, we'll, Purdue, we'll, yeah. Purdue later. Outside, they're um, just vanilla though. So they are. Oh, they are vanilla. Uh, but uh, there are so many bigs on the schedule. Like, Kalkbrenner's a handful. I, he's going to be a problem. Ballo's a handful. And so when you're playing guys like that, you can't just, like, 
like Nate Oates isn't going to start 18-year-old Jaron Stevenson at the five against those guys. Like Pringle's experienced. He's just going to have to, you know, man up and, and get ready to go and be able to face those guys. And with the way that he's been playing this past week, we'll see if it carries over into Destin. But I think that's very important, and he's an important piece to Alabama continuing to start this season off on the right foot. Absolutely. Uh, I also thought I thought his lob against Mercer Friday was maybe the best one that he's had. Like his far as, reach, like, like way back for it. Yeah, like I, yeah, I think that may have been. Gotta, like, it, that feels like the one that we've been waiting for since he put on crimson and white last year. I mean, he's had some great dunks. Don't get me wrong, but that feels like the lob that we've been expecting from him. No, I agree. Um, and, and another another player that I wanted to talk about through those two games um, and really through the the season thus far has been Mark Sears. And I, I think everyone kind of, especially through the first two games in preseason, it's really easy to get kind of caught up in, in the new being like the, the, the shiny new toys and Grant Nelson and Aaron Estrada, who are both fantastic. But as we've seen through these first two weeks, they've been a little, up and down in terms of their performances. And I think the fact that Alabama hasn't been up and down in their performances, one speaks to the depth of this team, and we can get to that later. But I think Mark Sears has been the constant and kind of the driving force, the engine, so to speak, of this Alabama team through two weeks. I mean, you look at his stats, 19 and a half points per game, which I think right now is second in the SEC. Uh, almost five rebounds a game, four and a half assists per game. He's shooting 64% from the field. He's shooting 67% from the three-point line. So he's been on another planet, I feel like, through the first two weeks. But I kind of wanted to get some of what y'all have felt about Mark Sears' performance so far. Yeah, I mean, you watch that Mercer game. And granted, it is Mercer, but there was not a single bear guard or wing or anybody that could stay in front of him that entire mm-hmm. basketball game. He was able to get around any of the, the screens that Alabama was setting for him, just cutting through with ease, was able to use uh, just an array of uh, dribble moves to get cut towards the paint. His finishing was has been excellent this year. That's been one thing where Mark maybe has struggled just a little bit, never been the, the most crafty finisher down low, um, but he's gotten a lot better in that department. We had, the uh, I believe, getting close to halftime, was about four seconds left. He takes it up the length of the court, finishes off balance, gets the buzzer beater and um, against Mercer. And, again, Mark just had a fantastic game that day. Only had one three-pointer. Everything else came from either the three-point line or finishing down low. Um, and he's been a great, like, point guard, too, uh, passing to his teammates. I think he had, what, six assists, five assists versus Mercer? Um, either uh, six. He's had, like, six, six or five in, I feel like, yeah. every game. Yeah, he had six. six I think yeah, he had six against six. But – Again, Mark's just been fantastic. And even on the defensive end, he's active on defense. His hands, he was active last year with his hands. But this year, he looks like a better on-ball defender. Um, he's just become an entire, like a new player this year. He was great last year, but this year it looks like he's taking another step forward. I think he looks more explosive. And I don't know yeah. if we mentioned this in, in the last episode, but I think he looks faster. I noticed in, in a couple of the the practices I was able to watch that he looked like a better defender and he looked more engaged on the defensive end. And I remember uh, talking to him at media days and he said that that was one of um, 
the the points of emphasis that they gave him coming back. He he just looks like when he's in the game, you know that nothing bad is going to happen. Like you yeah. you know that there's not going to be necessarily an errant pass or, or, or a turnover that's unforced or like you know the set is going to run properly and that that's the benefit of having a veteran guard especially in college basketball these days and and that's an area where Alabama is going to greatly benefit when March rolls around because Mark Sears senior guard Aaron Estrada fifth year guard like you have these guys that are leading your backcourt Latrell Wrightsell senior guard like you have these senior guards that are leading your backcourt that are going to be able to keep your team from having mental lapses. They're going to keep everybody under control. And that's exactly what I think Mark Sears has been um, so far this season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think the chemistry that you're getting from those three veteran guards and how they're positively impacting each other, because uh, they've, I mean, for, Aaron Estrada and Latrell Reitzel Jr. Like they've basically come from being the oldest dudes where they were and mm-hmm. maybe feeling a little bit like isolated from where they were before. It's like kind of the older dudes. And now they come here and also have an older guard in Mark Sears. And like, they're just bouncing each other, like off each other and just playing really well. I think Sears has picked up a lot of like finishing techniques from Estrada and finishing through contact and like weird angles. Uh, I think Sears is definitely not somebody like Shaq where it's like, he can't get to the like couldn't get to the rim, didn't finish strong through contact. Like Sears has always done both of those things pretty well, uh, but yeah. it seems like he's found a new gear this year. And I think uh, the level of explosiveness that he seems to have, like his speed is, uh, like he's genuinely an explosive threat to drive. Like I don't think he has quite the burst that JQ had because JQ has a like pretty insane burst as we've talked about, but Sears is certainly getting close to that. So he's giving himself easier chances to lay in and just get to the rim and score well. I mean, right now through four games, uh, individual offensive rating is kind of always hard to, as far as validity and how you want to compare that. Uh, But it's 162. So he's basically good for 1.62 points of possession through four games. That's that's pretty good. That's seventh in the country. Uh, (laughs) That's not bad. Uh, On 25% usage rates and then, CBB ref has him already at like one offensive win share. So basically generating a win with his offense through four games. That's that that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. Are are you looking at the um the the contributor like breakdown on Ken Palm? Um so I've got his I, I've just on the Mark Sears page on Ken Palm and then on the yeah. CBB reference page as well. I um, think it's interesting to see the the percent of possessions used and how Ken Palm breaks it down. Cause yeah. he, he has Alabama's major contributors naturally as Sears Estrada yeah. Nelson as your top three. Um, but then <laughs> your, your two lowest contributors uh, in terms of like normal rotation players um, and, and guys that are like being used in, in, in different percentages of possessions. Latrell Reitzel is used in less than 12% of possessions and Rylan Griffin is used in 12 to 16%. And I think if we kind of transition into a little talking about the depth, those two are two very talented scoring guards. Obviously Reitzel averaged like 17 a game at Fullerton last year. And then Rylan Griffin was um, like, we, we saw his capability scoring the ball a year ago as well. And so for those two to be 
such talented guys being so low on your kind of usage scale um, shows how unselfish they are, I think, because they don't hunt their own shot when it, if it, if it comes at the, the cost of the team or okay. if it comes at the cost of the possession. Like those two dudes shoot the ball when they are wide open and when it is the best shot. And that like that is what makes this offense so lethal is you have like really good scoring guards. There are going to be games this season where Reitzel scores 20. I think there's going to be games this season where Griffin scores 20, but they're not like, give me the ball. I've got to size this dude up and go get a bucket to get mine. Like they don't, it doesn't seem like they care about getting theirs. And at the same time, they're both like the two best defenders on the team. So it, they're the fact that they're not taking shots on the offensive end isn't affecting their defensive effort. It, it, it honestly seems like it's heightening it because they, they look better on the defensive end than they do on offense. And that's one thing that's kind of making this team seem so good so early. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I think the depth like you're talking about is so present and there, and that is like incredibly encouraging because I think it's actually depth instead of last year of like theoretical depth. And that's kind of a I, I think we'll we'll see that play out through the season, but I think last year, I mean we saw down the stretch like we might have had five guards, but like eh? like do you <laughs> like I, we don't have to get too deep into it, but like as you saw, we didn't really have four or five guards that could handle the ball and score and create their own shot. I, I think well, we actually it, it got tough because like at, at one point Namari Burnett like wasn't playing anymore. Yeah. And then at the same time Griffin struggled against older teams because he was yep. so small. Yep. And so you After really had to good... slap him around. Yeah, you had Sears, you had Quinterly, and, and then you had Bradley, but Bradley wasn't bringing you much offensively. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't that he was choosing to not give you much offensively, like maybe a Reitzel or a Griffin, but it was like he can't because right. he can't shoot. Right. And <laughs> so, obviously, it's yeah, I see what you mean. Games. Yeah. Like so, it's hard to hard to extrapolate out over the whole season, but I, I think that's I think this year is actually depth and unselfishness of like I may not get mine tonight, but that's fine. Like we're gonna make sure everybody else gets theirs and like be able to be a positive contributor. Uh, so I, I think that's really really valuable, and we're gonna continue to see that play out. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm really really pleased with the rotation pieces that we've seen, and we're uh, talk about. Uh, Mohamed Wagi, I feel like he had kind of an underrated uh, game against South Alabama. He had 10 on like five, five. He had seven boards, two assists. Like he was, uh, I thought he played really well. I thought he showed a lot of the effort and strength that we need at that extra minutes roll at the five. Yeah. I mean, you talked about having theoretical depth. I mean, this is part of Alabama having actual depth at the front court now. I mean, Wagi is another guy that's going to be able to come in there when. Uh, Nelson's in foul trouble or when Stevenson's in foul trouble or when one of them is having a bad game and uh, can't provide anything defensively. I think Wiggy's going to be a guy that can just step in there pretty consistently, be able to to be average on kind of on both ends and really just be another rim runner and a uh, guy that can protect the rim when they need to. And I think he's kind of done his role pretty well this year. He hasn't like, he's been, he was a huge foul guy at West Virginia. Hasn't necessarily had the best leg this year with it. Um, but it's not bad either. I, I think Wiggy is another one of those depth pieces that's going to be really valuable come March in SEC play for Alabama. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think he is. Yeah. The, uh, another guy that finally made an impact, I feel like, was Sam Walters. And he, he had back-to-back pretty decent games after uh, – back-to-back good games. What, what am I saying? Like he, he was good both games after um, kind of struggling the, the first two uh, first two games of the season, first week of the season. Uh, against South, he had 16. Wow, I didn't even realize he had that on 100% shooting. I kind of yeah. forgot that he was that good uh, yeah. in that game. Yeah, four for four from the field, three for three um, from beyond the arc, 16 points, four boards. Um, he wasn't as good. Against, oh, he fouled out against Mercer. Still had seven. Didn't hit a three, but he fouled out. So last season, Muhammad Wagi, I believe, led college basketball in fouls per 36 minutes. I think he's going to be beaten this year by Sam Walters. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, he surely like Walters has fouled out in two out of four games. Nine point one fouls for per forty. Can you guess the combined minute totals that he played in those two games he fouled out? I've I've got it in front of me, Matthew. You, you <laughs> yeah, you too. Wasn't one Matthew, was like six minutes played and he fouled out or something, right? I, I'm looking for the combined minute totals of both games that he fouled out. Uh, 15. It is 22. 22. Right? Did I do that 22. math right? Yeah, yes. 22. Um, so not good. If you're fouling, you shouldn't foul out in a single game in 22 minutes. Come yeah, on, Sam. Certainly not against the competition that we were playing in those games. <laughs> um, so early prediction on who will lead the country in fouls for 36. Sam, Sam Walters. It's Sam it's literally also, always Sam Walters. Is on his ESPN page right here. Is he what? Is he leading currently? He's got to be like up there nationally. Surely. Yeah, I, Ken Palm unfortunately does not do the reverse rankings. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's just alternating one foul, five fouls, one foul, five fouls. That's been his four games so far. So uh, he'll have one foul against Ohio State and then five fouls on Saturday. Jacob, did you did you find on your Google search what we're looking for with Sam Walters? Uh not not quite. Now personal fouls per game. Let me see. He's averaging uh, uh, uh like three and a half. Okay, he's actually pretty three, low for personal fouls three, per game. Three, yeah, because it's twelve total. Because it's been one five one five. Right. Oh no, very funny. Well, it was funnier. Uh, let's see. Ty Strickland from uh, Long Island University Sharks is currently number one at four point three three. So we'll we'll keep okay. up with that. We'll see if we'll see if Sam. We'll, can we'll push be watching that. if it if it continues to, to be an issue. Absolutely. Um, uh, one other player that I wanted to bring up and talk about his performance from last week before we kind of get into some Emerald Coast Classic stuff. Uh, Jaron Stevenson appeared on a mock draft. Yeah. Y'all see that? I did um, see that. Came in at. 27th on uh was it yahoo yahoo's mock draft pretty sure it was yahoo yes um i that wow like good for him um he he looked he's looked good i mean he is alabama per ken palm he's alabama's fourth most used player um he is shooting 80 percent from two which is really good 
That's good. Um, he is – what are his averages, like, per game? I think it's 10 points a game. Uh, I remember I, – I think he's further along offensively right now than Clowney was at this stage. Um, yeah. But I think he's a worse rebounder. And I think I, that's kind of what Nate Oates said, um, especially after the game he was asked about uh, Stevenson after the Mercer game. And he was like, yeah, his next step is becoming a better rebounder. And he obviously has the capabilities too. It's just like he's 18 and he's got to learn how to be aggressive and, and to bang inside with these kind of bigger bodies that he's not used to necessarily playing against. And I think that'll come with experience. Um, so I'm not worried about him being a good rebounder by any stretch. I think he absolutely can. Clowney averaged like nine and a half rebounds a game last year. He was insane on the yeah. boards. Um, if Stevenson can get to like a six, seven rebound a game guy, like that's going to be really one helpful for Alabama and two helpful for his draft stock. I don't know if he's necessarily going to leave after this season, uh, but like, Hey, we said that about Noah Clowney and, and here he is in the NBA. So um, what have y'all thought about, about Stevenson so far? I mean, I think his game is just so fluid, man. I mean, you watch him offensively, just beautiful. He can back people down when he needs to. He's got a beautiful looking three point shot. He's pretty smart for an 18 year old on, on the court. Doesn't really make a ton of mistakes. So, I mean, I, I Alabama has to be pleased with what they've had from him so far. And if they can turn him into another like first round pick that just goes towards Alabama's NBA development, um, you know, chain that they've been producing for the last couple of years. I think with Stevenson, uh, you mentioned it, he's not the best rebounder yet. He's getting there. I think that comes with time and with just experience against those bigger bodies, like you mentioned. But um, for a guy that's coming in, supposed to be in high school still, I, I don't think you could have asked for anything better from Stevenson so far. I agree. I mean, I, I think he, he fits so well into what Alabama wants to do. And, and just like, he's the prototypical, like, that's a perfect four slash five man for this system that I've been impressed with how he shoots the ball. I did not realize that he was as good of a shooter as he is. And as he has been thus far, um, he, he's an explosive offensive player. He can, he can jump leap, do whatever. Um, and, and he's a good defender too. Like, I, I don't think he's really jumped off the page necessarily. I mean, no one really has as an individual defender to me, other than maybe like Reitzel and Griffin. They've been really good. Um, but I, I think he's played good team defense, um, particularly uh, on the help side and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, he's been he's been really good. And he's only going to get better. I mean, he turned 18 last month, which when you put that into perspective, it's really weird because we are a lot older than him. Yeah, and we're, and, ah, I don't like that. That's that feels wrong. Uh, when he's when you think about how he's a year younger than the entire freshman class, like that, that makes it really weird. Yeah, it, it's very strange. And uh, fun fun tidbit so far, he's missed the same number of two point shots as he has three point shots. He's eight of ten on both. <laughs> Isn't he a hundred percent from the free throw line too? Or did he miss? Uh, he missed one against Mercer. That's one against Mercer late. But he was a hundred percent from the free throw line. That's that's pretty good. We will we'll take that. Yeah, he, his he, shot's he, so fluid. Like it it, the, the mechanics on it are excellent. Like 
a lot of clownies makes were a little little dicey sometimes. His shot's kind of ugly. Yeah, <laughs> Stevenson's shot is so pretty. Like that's yeah, oh, I, I love whenever he goes up. I mean, and I should we should he's eight for ten. Uh, so unless there's another player from this past week that really stuck out to y'all, I think we can move on into um, some Emerald Coast Classic preview. Um, Alabama technically already played a game in it because Mercer uh, was the the on campus game uh, for for the Emerald Coast Classic. It, they're in the little um, the other pod of four teams uh, that's playing in their own little four team tournament. Uh, but Alabama will start with Ohio State. Um, that will be on Friday night at six or seven. Is it six? Six down in beautiful Niceville, Florida. Down in Niceville, Florida. Um, I don't think any of us will be there. Uh, Matthew and I will be in Auburn on uh, on Saturday. Um, and then Jacob, I heard I heard tickets didn't work out. Logistics with ticket situation were unfortunate for this one. Um, you know, it was never going to be at the Saturday game due to the Iron Bowl. So I really only missing out on one game that I wasn't going to miss fog. out on regardless. He is a I, fog. I'll I'll see you in Canada, and then we'll have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, he gets a pass because he's going to Canada. That's true. That's true. I better be. I better be. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun trip to Canada. So yeah, don't hate on Jacob yeah. unless you are also going to Canada. That's true. And if so, I think it's. I think Ben is going. Yeah, if, okay. if Ben is going, then you know Ben, you've got to work. You can say whatever to me, but besides that, <laughs> uh, but the, the the opening game against Ohio State, Ohio State is. 52nd in Ken Palm right now. Um, they are 35th in offense, 73rd in defense. They're 3-1 and one on the season. They have a six-point win over Oakland in the opener. Uh, the uh, alma mater of one Jamal Kane, Heat legend, currently playing for the Sioux Falls Sky Force. We need to get him up on a, on a regular contract and not a two-way. Um, I, I didn't realize, tearing it up. I, I didn't realize the the intention of the location of the Sioux Falls Sioux Falls team. That kind of cracked me up. Kind of makes sense. Keep the keep the the fresh out of college kids out of South Beach. That's pretty funny. Oh yeah, very, very intentional. Put them up in literally in as South far So then in game two, they lost to Texas A&M at home. A uh, and M went in there and beat them by seven. They then beat. Uh, 311th in Ken Palm Merrimack by 24 and followed that up with a win over 298th in Ken Palm Western Michigan by 17. Um, Ken Palm projects an 11 point win. No, nine point win for Alabama uh, gives Ohio state a 21% chance of victory. I have not watched a ton of Ohio state, but I know some of their players, like Bruce Thornton, is one of their guards. Alabama recruited him. Um, obviously, Zed Key, 6'8", 250, is their big man. He's not super tall, uh, but he's good. You know, he he's kind of taken their EJ Liddell role as um, their undersized five man who just bullies everybody for rebounds and, and putbacks. Um, and then uh, they've got Roddy Gale is uh, their top player in terms of possessions used. Um, and I'm looking on here. 
and I can't find points per game on this little Kim Pom chart. Maybe I'm missing it. Um, it's uh, Ruddy Gale's got um, it's about 15 so, a game right now. Yeah, Gale's got 15.3, and Thornton's got yeah. 16.3 per game. They they are replacing two very good players in Bryce Sensabaugh and EJ Liddell, who were both NBA draft picks. Um, so it, it and that was also a team last year that was like 13th in the Big Ten, went on a run to the Big Ten championship game. I, if I remember right, and lost to Purdue? I believe so. I, I know they beat Michigan State. Uh, I, I think they did. They, I think they actually might have lost in the semis to Purdue. Either way, they went on a long run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and now they sit at 3-1. and one. Uh, Alabama comes into the game ranked 17th after moving up in the AP poll. <laughs> uh, I can't find odds on this game. Uh Currently, I don't think they're posted because Feast Week and they've been posting odds like day of right. instead. Um, but yeah, you, you know, Alabama ESPN's little matchup predict, predictor gives Alabama a 71% chance. What are we feeling? How do we feel about this game? Yeah, I mean, Ohio State's got a little bit of juice on offense. Um, they're the only team in the Big Ten right now with two guys averaging over 15 points a game with Thornton and, uh, and Gale there. But um, good offensive rebounding team. Um, I think they're number one in the Big Ten in offensive rebounds per game. So that's something Alabama's got to watch. They're they're pretty tough. Uh, front court's good. Back court's got some guys with a little bit of juice. So you know it, it should be a game that Alabama should be able to handle. I mean, when you look at the coaching staff, just respectfully to Ohio State, Alabama's just outclasses them in that sense. I, I think Oates is much better coach than Holtman, the coach than Holtman. And with the assistant coaching staff, Alabama's just again they've got one of the best staffs in the country at the moment. I don't think. This game should be super close, if you ask me, but we'll see. You never know with, with Feast Week and when you go to tournaments like this. Um, but I, I don't anticipate Alabama struggling super hard in this game. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I Like, honestly, like looking through their, their game logs so far, it kind of reeks. Like, A&M it, without not. Julius. It's it's bad. Like, it, Julius, A&M without Julius Marvel still, which – I don't know how long that's going to go on. I don't know where the update on the the campus investigation is, but might be just from what I've from what I'm hearing, not good. Um, I don't know, just not like super convincing wins with the play style they play. I mean, they play super slow. Like I just I, I think Alabama could speed them up Friday and start to show the pace and dominance and control. Um, I think this is probably a good test, Matthew, like you were saying, for our front court to kind of show against a team who likes to primarily play through the front court offensively, like, and really focus in on that um, with Zed Key down there. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup challenge and just something to scheme around and learn about, um, but a valuable test nonetheless. And I think that's probably going to be the main challenge. Like, I, I think their guards are okay. I have, again, I haven't watched a ton, but just looking through some numbers, I'm just – I'm not super wild. Um I think this is a, a name brand recognition MTE, but the name brand is not for Ohio State and honestly, really not Oregon either. Um, going to carry super well. Like I, I, for both games this weekend, I know we're probably not going to super look through Oregon and Santa Clara just because we don't know who it'll be or what the situation will be. But I, I feel up to this point pretty good just comparing sheer game logs and performances. 
um, and just knowing the way that Alabama wants to play, it, it just feels like I think outclassed is pretty much the perfect word to describe how Alabama yeah. Ohio State's going to go. It may, it may still be reasonably close um, as just a high major offense defending that, um, but reasonably close is in like 15, 20 range. Frankly. Yeah, I agree. And one other thing too is Ohio State right now, they've got the 11th youngest roster in the country and Alabama is simply. Ooh, I didn't know that. So Ohio State's they They've got a, a baby team and Alabama's, team full of grown men at the moment so uh, i think the experience is going to be is going to be a factor there so again i just don't see alabama struggling a ton. i think it could be a game where it's close in the first half and alabama pulls away but um i just don't anticipate it being that much of a game to be quite honest with you i think when you look at this field i think that alabama i think so the computers think so the polls think so that alabama is pretty far and away the best team in this field um, I mean, Ken Palm has Bama at five right now. Um, the the next highest team in this field for Ken Palm is Oregon at 36. Then you have Ohio State at 52 and Santa Clara at 103. Um, I think it's maybe safe to assume that Oregon is going to beat Santa Clara, but they've been dealing with injuries all season and have struggled a little because of that. But even then, like, Oregon dealing with injuries, even if they beat Santa Clara, that's a team dealing with injuries that Alabama would be facing on Saturday. Uh, so that, like, I, I think Alabama should be able to take care of business and, and win this tournament. Um, I, I think I would be surprised if Alabama were to take a loss to either of these teams or, or any of these three teams. Let me not count Santa Clara out. Um, and, and it would also be pretty decent resume wins. I mean, Oregon would probably be a quad one once the net rolls around. Uh, I think they'll be top 50. Ohio State, I'm not sure. Probably a quad two. Um, but but it's a neutral site game. So one through 50 um, would be a quad one, which Oregon very well could be. Um, but it, it, with them still dealing with injuries, I, I just don't see a reason that Alabama shouldn't win both of these games. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I keep on ending up. Like uh, Alabama's – basically lost the first game of the MTE like I don't know what three the last three seasons I'm pretty sure lost to they won last year they beat Michigan right. State last year mm-hmm. right we played Michigan State that was the first time in like a long time that they had won the first game, the first game. I remember yeah. talking about that on a year actually yeah because uh, I, I can they, remember if UConn was the first night or not uh it, yeah, I yeah just, it was Michigan State UConn UNC so Alabama finished third in the in the PKI that's right. Um, but before that, it's like it was you know, lost Iowa. Iona in the ESPN events, lost to uh, Stanford, lost to Stanford and Maui in the mountains, lost um, to North I'm Carolina in the battle for Atlantis, lost to who was it? Avery Johnson's last year. Oh, oh man. Um, I'm actually, I got to find this now. Because for a long time, it, it just felt like Alabama was cursed. Just going to lose the first game. MTEs uh, in 2019. Oh, that was when Alabama lost to Northeastern in the first round of the Charleston Classic. Goodness, yes. Oh, yes. Then uh, 2018, they beat BYU 
in the Barclays Center Classic and then played three on five against Minnesota in the wow. second round. Wow. So it, it had been a while. And then even before then, in 17, they lost to Valpo in the uh, – which one was this? In the MGM Grand main event. Oh, goodness. That it was it was rough. I remember watching I, these like in class, like in school, because yeah. <laughs> that's when they would play them. Oh, and then they lost to Xavier in 2016 in the Advocare Invitational in uh, Avery Johnson's first year. This is some um, these are some deep cuts. These are some hitters right here. Yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna be honest. I still they lost to. Uh, in the in the CBE Hall of Fame Classic to oh. Iowa State. Oh gosh, yes, oh, Iowa, the the Cyclones. The Cyclones. It, it was it. Alabama has been notoriously bad for a decade in these things, but yeah. I, I feel like that changes. I, I think so too. I think it's like this feels like kind of a weird event to be playing in because there's so many fields with good teams. I don't know. It's just interesting that Alabama ended up in this specific event. I know proximity for us makes sense, but like, um, I don't know. Just feel, feels weird to be in this particular event in this year with all the other interesting MTEs going on. So hopefully that just means it's a easy breezy drumming of two teams. And then you get back and welcome Brian Hodgson in on Monday or well, sorry, a little, little early here. First. Welcome the Clemson Tigers in, and on then Tuesday. on Tuesday, should that should be a and then, a decently fun game. That will be fun. Hard hat giveaway, all that. Hard hat giveaway. Yeah, that was. We'll uh, we'll have another episode before that, obviously. To absolutely. Talk about Destin, uh, but I I think that kind of wraps up uh, our our thoughts on Destin. One other thing before we go and, and kind of talk a little full scale of the SEC. Um, who, who has looked the best and looked the worst to y'all? Um, or maybe surprising, unsurprising. Um, who who do you like right now uh, out of the entire kind of grand scale of the SEC? I do really yeah, like Matt because I don't, don't like the answer I'm going to give. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like Kentucky. I like Arkansas. They look really good. Um, but look- UNC Greensboro. I know. I know you're St. Joseph's. I actually, mm, I did forget about UNC Greensboro. I'm not going to lie. Kentucky, I would feel, I would feel similar, Matthew, except they hadn't played, or sorry, they played Kansas close. So I feel good about them despite a weird St. Joseph's game. Because besides that, they've just, Kentucky's good. They beat everybody they're supposed to. Kentucky's going to be good. They're just babies. Yeah, they are. But Tennessee's I mean, weird to me. Uh, Tennessee, I, uh, I, I don't know how to feel. I, I'm not sold on their offense yet. And everyone, uh, I, I was told that they were supposed to be good on offense again. Or, or you, finally, you were told 30 times a game by Jay Billis that they got better with Dalton Connect. I also think it's just Necked, and they're just Next saying good. Okay. Yeah, maybe he's you're right. Fine. I'm gonna keep saying Connect. Uh, yeah, like yeah, he's good, but, like, but they're still like they guard and they're physical and like they do all those things. Yeah. But they're they're not making like they don't have dudes that make open threes and they yeah. they they can't score really. They they left Maui one and two. 
Yeah. Obviously, I, this, it was best Maui field of all time, probably. But still, yeah. they they lost a tough one to Purdue, and then they just lost to Kansas like like 15 minutes ago by like 10 or 9 yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and, which and obviously – Two tough losses to take, but I like what I saw from them in those games. They didn't necessarily jump out of the page, impress me. They struggled with Syracuse for like three quarters of that game. Yeah, the the offense still just isn't there. Like I just I haven't seen enough to think that this isn't the same kind of Rick Barnes team of the last four or five years at Tennessee. Now with that, yeah. they're still gonna win games because they're that good defensively. Like yes, they're, they're still gonna suffocate teams and they're still gonna win every game at home. Because they get away playing the most obnoxious, foully, slappy defense you can play as a college basketball team, and it's gross. Like it is, it is physically yeah. like, it, unnerving to watch. And that like, Purdue game no yesterday was like like terrible to watch. Yeah, for for my sickos out there, I had that on one screen and Brazil Argentina on the other screen. And if you're familiar with Brazil Argentina, last night was the. It, there was some some fan disruption before the game, so there, it, the whole time it was just like late slide tackles, fouls, all that. So it felt like I was watching the same, same game in two different sports. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's, that was so my, my question to you guys is: is buy or sell South Carolina and Mississippi State both five and zero at the moment? Mississippi State's uh, really good. I'm, I'm I like Mississippi it. State a lot. Um, I think they hold. deserve it. Uh, uh, Kenneth, what, 25th, right? 17 in Ken Palm. I, I the, think the I, I, like I like Mississippi State. I really like Cameron Matthews yeah. as a player. He's one I of my like favorite. I, I, I think State's good. I, I'm not yeah. going to buy South Carolina. Uh, not buying South Carolina at all. No, they just they just squeaked by, what, Grand Canyon not too long ago? I think it was the last game. And DePaul. Was, yeah. And, and all of those teams. I don't buy them. Uh, I'll buy Mississippi like State. I, I like Trey Fort for State a lot. I, I think he's very interesting. Yeah, that I don't, it's Alabama trip to the hump in early January is going to be really tough. It, it's going to be a, a brawl. Uh, that's a it's our be really conference game. Very interesting. Um, it is. It, it yeah, would be Vanderbilt, then South Carolina, then Mississippi State. Uh, I think that's that's a very interesting start. I don't think that I uh, the four, be, the first four games two and one are, at worst. Yeah, I, the Alabama should not upset. lose in Nashville. I don't. I don't care if it's Memorial Gym. Like Vanderbilt's not good, and then you should beat South Carolina at home. Yeah, the, the Memorial Gym curse is dead. It's it's gone. It's passed. Yeah, it's very um, dead. But yeah, I, I've been. I was. I've been impressed with Mississippi State so far. I need to see it continue into conference play. I still don't know that I love the style of offense, even if they do have better guys running it. I think. I think I'm Fair. still. A little holding on that so we'll see when it gets to conference play because i also just think there's teams better than them with the higher ceiling now uh, i think their floor is pretty high with the defense but i just don't know that the offense takes it like reasonably that far further uh, also the, i think auburn's really good yeah i yeah. like they're they're really good i, I think they across the like, board, that's probably who i would say the most i like, mean like i think four, alabama and auburn are like pretty solidly two top four teams in the sec right now I, I think so, so too. Or I, I think right now it's Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn. But yeah, those Until are probably notice, four, right? like I, I don't know what or and A and M. A and M. I need to see more from A and M. I, I think not having Marble with 
yeah, I need to see more from AM. I think possibly not having Marvel for longer would be bad for them. Um, Perhaps. Bold, bold take there. Bold but take. yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by, uh, unfortunately intrigued by the way Auburn's been playing. And um, it seems like the offense is back, but the defense is not as much. So I, now that recipe of things, I don't think is super conducive to a good regular season, having a way better offense than defense. Um, obviously, it's five games, well. you know. Yeah, exactly. Like you, it doesn't it doesn't feel any better to lose one hundred five to one hundred three than it does sixty to fifty eight. <laughs> so. Right. Um, if you're wondering how Ken Palm views the right. SEC, six of the top nineteen in the country uh, per his his ratings are SEC teams. Uh, you've got Kentucky at nineteen, A and M eighteen, Mississippi State seventeen, Auburn fifteen, Tennessee eleven, and Alabama five. So. The league is loaded again, and it's going to be a gauntlet. Um, but I think that about wraps up this episode. We covered a lot of ground today. Absolutely. And just yeah. in time for a little, little Purdue Marquette action right now. Maui just in time for the Maui Invitational Championship that we get to go watch now. Marquette's up 10-6. to 6. They're really good. They might be the best team in the country. I'm not going to lie to you. Marquette's really good. Yeah, I- I'm interested oh, to see how they – I thought they defended really well last night uh, against Kansas. So – and that was obviously their uh, their Achilles heel when it got to crunch time in the tournament last year. So I'll be interested to see uh, what they do again this year and how Kolek progresses. Oh, absolutely. Um, but we'll be back uh, potentially with a guest, uh, a very fun guest after the Emerald Coast Classic. Um, sure. But until then, uh, thank you all for listening, and we will catch you guys next time.